0: When women leave at that mid-management point, it's not because they're leaving to start families. It's because they feel unsupported in their career development and they don't find good, strong role models that they resonate with to sort of help them or, or mentors to sort of help them advance.
1: Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. This week we have Monique Zvezlian-Tallon talking about what she's learned about the art of leading gracefully. Monique has just published a book on the topic based on her own successful career where she says women have a lot to offer by leading in their own feminine way and how it can be a way to bring out the best in any team. She also cautions against the Queen Bee Syndrome people who have had to learn to manage the hard way and in not a natural way, and in a very male environment. Her advice is always be yourself, be authentic, and to be a source of encouragement to other women as well as other men.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Angie. I'm, I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, my name is Monique sposley Talon, and as you know, I'm the author of the book, Leading Gracefully, a guide to women's uh, confident, effective and authentic leadership and you know, um, basically, I what can I tell you? I'm an executive coach uh, to both men and women but I, I have a passion for working with women leaders and particularly around helping them sort of embrace their feminine strengths. So I talk about the feminine leadership model in my book, Leading Gracefully, as sort of a newer road map to help women um, be more impactful, close the leadership gap, get up into those leadership ranks, and you know ultimately change the world. So and in a that nutshell, that's what my book is about, um, but I can tell you a lot more as, as we move on.
1: We know about the gender pay gap, but what other aspects are there in that gap in the glass ceiling and not reaching the glass ceiling?
0: Well, as you know, right now, uh, there's about you know, 14% of women in senior leadership ranks within Fortune 500s, and about 4% of those are, are women CEOs. So we've got a long way to go to get to gender parity in, ter- in time- terms of top leadership ranks. Now, one of the big leadership gaps that I talk about in the book is the confidence gap. And we know from a lot of different studies that have been done that there is a big difference between how confident women feel no matter where they are in the leadership ranks versus men. And so this is one of the biggest challenges I think women face in closing that gap because when we don't believe in our value, when we don't believe in our abilities, studies show that we don't even go for that opportunity if that opportunity presents itself. We don't speak up, we don't voice ourselves, we don't negotiate those higher salaries. And so what that ends up relating to is is this leadership gap. So I think that's one of the main challenges that women face at the moment that we really need to address.
1: What can we do to in, in you know to bring about this confidence? We need to support each other, first of all, I believe. But I mean there's more to it. We all are brought up in different types of families, different Uh, ethnic backgrounds, all these factors seem to influence it. And yet it seems to be common with women all over the world that the confidence or self-belief seems to be that little bit lower, a lot lower often than the men. What can we do to improve our own confidence?
0: I think it's multifaceted. You know, I don't think it's just one magic bullet. Uh, First, I think we need to start raising strong girls who believe that they can be whatever they want to be, whether it's an engineer, a scientist, a a developer, you know, in the tech world, you know, Barbie, Mattel just came out with a new Barbie doll that is a coder. And I love that because at a very young age, you're sending a message to little girls that, you know, you can be uh, whatever you want to be, even something that, you know, is more traditionally male-oriented. And so if we can start sending those positive messages at an early age and showing what types of uh, professions and careers that are available to to girls uh, i think that kind of helps reinforce that that positive message and then what i think women can do for themselves is begin to look at what is their inner dialogue telling them what are those inner critics so to speak and i do a lot of exercises with my clients and also that i that i have in the book available for women to do for themselves is, is looking at that inner dialogue and what is that, what are those words, what is those belief statements that are sort of hindering you from being confident and, and actually changing those. So it's a little bit about mindset and changing our belief systems as well. So I think it's multifaceted and, and women helping women absolutely, as you mentioned, is is a key factor as well.
1: When you talk about inner dialogue and inner critic, it's just like self-talk, oh, I'll never amount to anything, or replaying those little tapes you you heard. Maybe sometimes somebody put you down when you were younger or to keep point in your life. Is that what you're talking about, that inner dialogue?
0: Yes, exactly. Those inner dialogue statements, words that we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough, or who am I to get that job, or you know, I'm not smart enough, those kinds of negative uh, self-talk that we do, you know, I I do it all the time, you know, many women struggle with this, I I do many workshops and speak at conferences and I'm always shocked to see how many women struggle with this and not just women who are, you know, new in their careers but even women who are in senior executive positions who, you know, end up admitting that they struggle with these negative statements and I think you know it, it's it's like you said it's sort of uh, an epidemic that women face around the world so yes it is those those words that we tell ourselves over and over again that eventually prevents us from taking action
1: how do you like so, about changing those though how do you how do you redo those messages is there any way of kind of a spool back a raise and do again
0: Yes, there is. It takes time. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, right? Uh, and that's why I recommend working with a coach on something like this because a coach will will give you those tools and you know help you sort of do the exercises and homework that will help you rewrite those beliefs. But you know, I always start with saying you know make a list of all of your achievements in life, everything that you have accomplished, big or small. Put it on a piece of paper and look at it, take it in, see what things that you've done in your life, just to sort of celebrate your successes and take stock of, you know, what you've done. And then on top of that, what are the qualities that you exhibited to achieve those those things? And once we actually see what we've done on paper, it sometimes gives us that feeling like, you know, well, <laughs> I accomplished that. And if I wasn't good enough or smart enough, I probably wouldn't have done that. You have to sort of trick yourself uh, in those ways to believe something else, which is really the truth. You know, we are all smart, intelligent, educated, strong women. And so it's such a travesty to see these, you know, negative beliefs running the show. And so you have to bring it to your consciousness, these strong qualities and and abilities that you have and, and really put it in front of your face and focus on that for a good while to start rewriting the, the tape. There's of course many other things which I speak about in the book, different te- tips and techniques um, that women can do. It's not just one thing but that's one step that I recommend.
1: I'm interested in what you were saying about confidence and of course it's it's great to kind of indoctrinate the next generation of young women. But I see young girls and young women leaving universities here and we have like 60-40% of graduates now are women and it's, I think it's in Ireland anyway and that's pretty reflective of the way things are going worldwide and yet you see women going in fully qualified, very very qualified from university, going into jobs, doing well for the first few years. And then it's like they hit a brick wall. Um, Maybe they have a family or maybe they have family commitments or maybe they just, you know, want to move jobs and the boys pass them out, the young men, the young Turks pass them out when they get to their 30s. What's happening there? You know, why does women's confidence take a dent or how how come the boys are able to kind of bypass them at this particular age group? And then they, they miss out on the middle management, the stepping stone to senior management and leadership levels. What's happening there and how can they address that?
0: So we actually have some data now that shows that when women leave at that mid-management point it's not because they're leaving to start families it's because they feel unsupported in their career development and they don't find good strong role models that they resonate with to sort of help them or, or mentors to sort of help them advance. Men have uh, this ability to support one another you know it's called the boys club and I always talk about this metaphor which is you know look at sports and look at the guys and when they're playing sports whenever they make a, a goal or you know they, they score a point they high-five each other or they you know run up and hug each other and they, they, they celebrate their successes together and it's the same thing that women need to start doing which we don't do very well which is Really supporting one another, giving back. So, women who are in senior ranks, giving back to women who are younger than them, sponsoring them, advocating for them. You know, when I was uh, in mid management, uh, I was working for a big Silicon Valley firm, and I was working there for about four years, never got a promotion, not once. And I, I thought I was, you know, very hard worker. Uh, I just kept my head down. I wasn't very much of a self-promoter. Well, come to find out, uh, one day I approached my the VP of our department and I said, listen, you know, I think it's time for me to, to get a promotion. I've taken over a more senior position here and I have more responsibilities and, you know, nobody's <laughs> approached me with a promotion. What's going on? And he looked at me and he's like, well, what have you done around here? And I was just flabbergasted at that. And what that told me was that my boss... Who happened to be female, had never once told him about my skills, my achievements, or what I had been doing for the four years that I'd been there, and so I had to set out to prove myself, which I did, uh, and eventually I earned that position, uh, that promotion. But it's it was just such a travesty that you know my female boss had sort of. <laughs> blocked my progress and hadn't been advocating for me. So I think that is a very big reason that women drop out and I think the second reason is that, you know, our workplaces are still not designed for women. <laughs> They're designed for men. And so things like pay equity and, you know, in this country in in the US, uh, things like maternity leave and flexible work hours are still things that we struggle with. So redesigning that workplace so that when, you know, women do go out to, to have families that they can uh, have a sustainable work-life balance. I think that's very, very important and women need to fight for that.
1: Now, your book is called Leading Gracefully and yet that behavior that you're talking about, we call it the Queen Bee Syndrome, which has been known to happen here and in other parts of the world, you know, where the woman who makes it is kind of closing the door or pulling up the drawbridge behind her. Um, it's not very graceful, is it? <laughs> how How can women uh, lead gracefully and bring feminine attributes, you know, which aren't all about, you know, running into a corner and crying when things get too tough, you know, but there are other aspects of femininity that uh, can bring a considered response to decision-making, to, instead of calling it risk-averse, let's call it risk-awareness, you know, asking the hard questions which women tend to do very well, working collaboratively. You know, yeah. is there a way to bring these feminine leadership qualities into the workplace where it's bloody difficult?
0: You know, it, it's that queen bee syndrome that I think is, is the biggest challenge. Um, and that's why I wrote this book, <laughs> because I was seeing it happening all around me. Uh, women who have good intentions, who are, you know, st- slowly building their careers and then, you know, ending up with a female boss who just sort of ends up sabotaging their career growth, and you know what ends up happening is that woman will exit the organization, go somewhere else, or you know drop out completely. And that's just we can't afford that kind of behavior. We already have so many you know challenges that we're facing. We cannot afford to let that sort of uh, scarcity mentality or or you know ice ice uh, ice queen or queen bee mentality we can't allow that to happen and so I was seeing that happening all around me and I decided, you know, I need to write a book that that gives women a different uh, sort of approach because I think when we look around us, we just see men and male leadership style is very different. You know, it is very, um, it can be very sort of uh, command and control, very authoritative, very directive. And, and that's fine, except it depends what the situation is. And so, as women, we have to find a different way, and we have to find more balance, and that's what I really talk about in the book. And so, I've developed a model and a framework that talks about what are those qualities, what are the feminine qualities, and what are the masculine qualities that women should uh, sort of embrace and, and learn how to uh, embody, depending on what the situation is. So. For instance, you know how can we uh, give feedback without being completely um, direct and blameful, right? And so I talk about empathic communication, right? How can we have constructive conversations where we give feedback or speak you know, our opinions if we're not happy with something or if we see some sort of transgression happening? How do we stand firm in our... And our power and strength and, and speak our truth without um, pointing the finger, for instance. You know, uh, Many women would maybe you know, hold it in, not speak up, uh, yeah. Yeah. play the victim. Right? That is a disempowered feminine trait and, and unfortunately I think over time we've uh, equated femininity or feminine traits with, with weakness, being meek, being the subordinate one. And that's absolutely not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the empowered feminine. How do we actually embrace our, our confidence, our strength, our power, and to be able to communicate and to be able to um, manage and lead in a way that's, that's much more graceful. And so it's about balance. And, um, and I think it takes practice because <laughs> we don't have a lot of role models out there who are, who are that way.
1: Um, And the the literature would seem to say that, you know, if we keep going at the rate we are, it will be another hundred years before we get gender parity. Um, Men don't like to modify their behaviour when women come into the the room. How do we, do we need structural changes? Do we need quotas? Do we need targets, you know, to allow women to to even be at the table in the decision-making process? Because we can have all the feminine um, attributes and leadership styles we like, but unless those with power are sharing power with us, it's not going to be much use. And one way that I think about it is, again, how are we approaching men?
0: You know, how are we relating to them? Uh, If we're showing up with predominantly masculine traits, well, that doesn't really work for women. It just doesn't. And I think it, it turns off many men. So the first piece is around looking at our own behavior and looking at how we can relate and work better with men. Um, and then the second piece is really around unconscious bias. You know, there's a lot of gender stereotypes, a lot of uh, gender bias that exists. I, I was working at a at a big tech firm the other day, and it was a whole team of men, not one single woman. And I pointed it out, and I said, "Look at you guys. You know how how balanced are, are you is your team?" And they looked at me, and they said, "Well, why do we even need women on our team?" and i was shocked at that answer you know this is a very well known very prominent tech firm huge company and i was shocked that he even dared to say that and i said well let me tell you why and so i sort of educated him you know i said well because women you know are are uh, the consumer decision makers now we hold the power of the purse string if you don't have representation of women on your teams you're missing out on you know that huge demographic which is a huge piece of the pie so Through that kind of conversation, I think it opened up their eyes. Now, it's one thing having more women on teams, but then how do you include those women? How do you make sure that their voices are heard? How can you make sure that they are a real functioning member of the team? That takes training. That takes uh, awareness and consciousness uh, of our biases and how our biases lead to different behaviors. And so that's why, you know, it's not just about women (laughs) changing. We have to also, uh, you know, address men's behavior and how they um, sort of bring women to the table. I think it's very important.
1: Frequently I hear from women who have been on boards that they just get disregarded at board meetings until they put their hand up and say, hang on a second. (laughs) Uh, One particular woman said that she was um, addressing an item that was on the agenda, And the chairman of the board said, "Um, well, that's not really relevant right here. Let's move on. And she said, actually, it is relevant. And so they did stop and talk about it. So it takes a certain amount of gumption. And this woman certainly had a lot of it. uh, To be able to put your hand up and say my voice to yourself, just say my voice needs to be heard. Uh, Does this come back to confidence again and self-belief?
0: Absolutely. You must have that confidence and you must be able to, like that woman did, Uh, push back (laughs) to be heard many times and and that's okay right I mean that does require a little bit of more assertiveness you know but again standing in our power now if she had barked back at that man and and been combative like hey why don't you listen to me that might have been off-putting but she said hey you know I do have something to say here I think it's important you know let me share that and and it worked so it's that approach um but yes sometimes we do have to take that extra step unfortunately uh we are still like i said battling those those gender stereotypes and i think men uh, don't realize that women sometimes have uh, a different way of thinking about things you know we might have a different perspective um and you know many times we aren't as extroverted or willing to sort of butt in there or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know take over the conversation and so how do we, again, create an inclusive environment where we can hear from everyone,
1: men and women? To be able to shout and kick ass and get things done, does it not take a certain amount of male energy, um, let's call it, um, you know, to, to get things done sometimes, as the guys yeah. might say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does, but it's about balance. So if you're only that way most of the time, you, know, you are going to be perceived as someone who's difficult to work with, who is, frankly, a bitch, <laughs> someone who's not very likable. And, you know, we, we see that, you know, that approach isn't working. I mean, that's those are just the facts. The statistics are showing us it's not working. And so we have to maybe think about, you know, embracing a different style and bringing in those, you know, feminine qualities to balance out that very masculine Um, approach but yes you do have to be assertive you do have to be daring you do have to be able to sometimes take you know critical feedback without taking it personally right those are things that men do well that women can learn from
1: in the opening chapter you talk about um, how when you showed your vulnerability when you walked into a job that that actually opened the gates and made your team work well together so rather than being stoic and saying I can do all this and leading from the front you actually said look I don't know how to do this you know help me and that that opened doors and worked with people do you think that was a good idea
0: absolutely I mean I was shocked frankly that they didn't just kick me out that day when I you know stood up and said I don't know what I'm doing I need help but I, I took that risk and I'm so glad that I did because by being vulnerable I empowered my team to step up to the plate and to really take responsibility and to show up to participate to do their best and you know this was a very big undertaking uh, we were putting together a 10,000 person conference you know we were working with the executives of the company it was a very high profile thing and you know, we, we we just couldn't fail. <laughs> so I took that risk knowing that there was a lot on the table and, you know, it ended up working and people came up to me afterwards and said, listen, you know, it's such a breath of fresh air to work with you. Uh, and when I started hearing that positive feedback and seeing what a great conference we put on, it was it was one of the best attended, well, best organized conferences we had ever done as a company you know i knew that that approach worked so it was a risk up front but it it definitely paid off and so i speak about how vulnerability is such a key strength
1: specifically for women i mean i always ask this of women because and sometimes they bring it up without me even asking you know some of the most horrendous things have been said to some of the most prominent women i know (laughs) um like people just saying you know throw away remarks them which are really horrendous Uh, has this ever happened to you You know, it hasn't happened to me luckily, but,
0: you know, actually I would say the most challenging thing that's ever happened to me was working with a woman, (laughs) not a man. Uh, Having a female boss who was very much a, um, I would say kind of a queen bee, uh, very much a micromanager, very much um, liked to hold the the control and, you know, she'd stay up late and, and um, shoot off emails at two, three o'clock in the morning, and and not really let me have ownership around my my tasks. And like I mentioned before, it didn't give me any credit for anything that I had done, and and it just wasn't a pleasant experience at all. And I felt really stunted um, by her leadership, and so that was one of the biggest challenges. But I've never personally experienced. Um, sort of a negative comments or, or anything like that from men, but I do know that it happens. And when it does, I'm sure it's very um, painful and, and frankly, um, disgusting, <laughs> um, especially when they are sexist comments or things like that. And so we need to be able to work with that. We need to be able to bounce back quickly. So resilience is one of the qualities I speak about in my book. How do we actually... You know whatever failure, whatever you know perceived uh negative thing that happens to us, how do we bounce back from that instead of mulling over it and and thinking about it and letting us letting it sort of um stop us in our tracks? I think that's a very important quality to have
1: as A friend of mine who is a coach as well says we you know we catastrophize and we think worst case scenarios of things frequently um what would you say to women who are struggling and want to hold on to their career but they want to mind their children maybe part-time or struggling to combine work and family life would you have any particular advice to them
0: yes first of all let go of the guilt <laughs> i know many women mm-hmm. struggle with mother's guilt you know and, and feeling like they're not good enough as mothers or this and that and 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 that just doesn't help, you know. I think that guilt, you know, is very natural, obviously, um, but I think it prevents us from figuring out constructive things to do. Um, and so that that's the first thing: just letting go of that guilt and knowing that you are doing the best that you can, that you're taking on <laughs> Herculean efforts, <laughs> um, and that nobody is perfect. And so the second piece is is really letting go around being perfect. You know, I think a lot of women feel like they have to prove themselves, prove their value, do a great job at everything. And that pressure, that stress um, can be just, you know, debilitating. And so just getting rid of the need to be perfect and striving for good enough, you know, that is, that can take the pressure off and that can help us uh, just, you know, find that, that better balance. And then third is learning how to delegate better whether it's at work or at home. You know, women tend to like to hold the control and think that they can do things better than others, which might be the case. But as leaders and managers, we need to be able to empower our people to to do their best work. So we need to take a better uh, sort of coach approach with our team, prepare them, uh, whether it's through mentoring or coaching or Helping them develop those skill sets and trusting them to to take over large tasks, so that we can have time to do other things, right? Whether it's being visible um, and growing our brand within the organization or spending time with our children, so delegation is is very important. So there's a number of different things that we can do, and of course the biggest ones around you know getting structural uh, changes within organizations, fighting for. Uh, equal pay and time off and flexible work schedules, I
1: think that's also very key. Making mistakes. Women don't like to make mistakes because we like to be perfect. But you see guys making mistakes all the time and sometimes they get moved sideways and sometimes they even get promoted to get them out of an area. Um, What advice would you give to women about when they make a mistake? Not that we make that many mistakes but you know we're human, we're bound to make mistakes now and again. How do you bounce back? How do you get that resilience from when things don't go perfectly?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important
1: to be okay with making mistakes. But as Steve Jobs
0: says, fail fast, fail often. Uh, And learning to bounce back, right? So learning from those mistakes. Because if you're able to have that mentality, then you're able to create an environment for your team to also, you know, fail often and fail fast. And so um, that's a very important skill to have. Now, how do we bounce back from failure? that's the big question and I think it's it's really around again going back into our confidence knowing that we are good enough knowing that we have uh, fantastic qualities and abilities and just not spending time mulling it over over analyzing what could I have done better this and that and just you know dragging it on and on just letting it go saying what can I learn from this taking those tidbits and then looking on to the next thing I think that's a very important quality and again that takes practice uh but it is possible and men do that very very well they they don't let mistakes uh keep them down for very long and I think that's something we can learn from men absolutely
1: we see the guys are really good at networking through sports through clubs and associations golf clubs whatever We women don't have the same opportunities. Another woman I spoke to once said, you know, men network even when they go to the toilet. Women go in different cubicles. Men stand side by side. What can we learn from men about networking and assisting each other and helping each other?
0: Well, I think it's time that we start building the girls club, in my opinion. You know, the men have the boys club. Why don't we have the girls club, right? And so what type of behavior do we need to take on to be able to do that and i talk about how we can begin to do that you know in our own circles who are the women that you work with who are the women in your life you know how can you reach out to them how can you build better relationships with them and how can you help them right you can think about you know just in your own circles name five women think of five women who you know you can just reach out to and say hey you know what do you need or how can I help you or you know, what support do you need that I can give you? We can start small right where we are. And then I think seeking out those networking opportunities, there's so many, I know at least here in the States, different types of women's organizations, women's initiatives, women's conferences that we can seek out and be a part of. So go out and seek those opportunities because being in that atmosphere can be so empowering. inspiring Um, so I would challenge women to do that and within your own organizations you know are there women's groups women's networking opportunities if there aren't then can you go and suggest that or create one whether it's formal or informal Uh, you know seeking out those opportunities actually going out and doing that we have to be intentional about it because again (laughs) for some reason we don't do that naturally Um, like men do. And so we have to be intentional about it and and think about how we can do, especially for women who are in senior ranks because they have so much experience and wisdom to share. And I think it's their
1: responsibility to pay it forward. What would be your three best women's graceful qualities you could itemize? The three main ones that, that I
0: love to talk about, the first one being vulnerability. You know, how do we actually view vulnerability as a strength not a weakness the second one is intuition you know women are highly intuitive beings and the travesty here is that we don't actually listen to our intuition most of the time so how do we actually begin to build that trust with ourselves and i talk about how we can do that by building a more positive relationship with our bodies Um, So that's a whole other conversation point, but that's a big, big one. And the third one is around empathy. You know, I think women are very empathic beings. We are great listeners, very good communicators, good relationship builders. But how do we actually uh, develop the skill set of empathic communication so that we can give constructive feedback, have tricky conversations, do it in a way that's uh, supportive that is mindful, but also leaning into that that strength that we do have, and building those relationships in a powerful way. I think that's very key. There's so many others, but off the top of my head, those are the three main ones that I would say are, are critical.
1: Excellent. What about tears at work?
0: Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Women have to be free to show their emotions, and and again, that's more of a um, awareness around you know just emotional intelligence, right? We have emotions; we're emotional beings, and at work you know if tears come up then hey they come up but I think we have to learn to channel our emotions in a better way I once worked with a client who that was her weakness she just would (laughs) always end up in tears if she got some negative feedback or she wasn't being listened to and so I had to work with her over time to to take that step back get control of her emotions and then figure out how to constructively talk about what she was feeling because those tears are telling us something right they're they're telling us something's wrong we need to speak up about something but you know if you do it that way it's probably not going to be received well so learning how to control our emotions and channel them in a positive way is very important for women so I would say you know if you can minimize the tears that's good if it comes out hey you're human and we just need to make those emotions okay, but how can we actually channel them in a a more constructive way?
1: I think some women that I know have said it's a really useful tool because men get terrified when women cry. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if you have the the, uh, strength or the cuteness to do that. I don't think most women would. But anyway, listen, it was a pleasure talking to you and hearing you about the book. Tell me the name of the title of the book again, and because we're in a different country, how can we buy it? How can we download it and purchase it?
0: The book is called Leading Gracefully, a Women's Guide to Confident, Authentic, and Effective Leadership. And it's available on Amazon UK. So if you just go online and type in Leading Gracefully um, and my name, Monique and Talon, um, you can find it that way. And you can learn more about me and my work at MoniqueTalon.com.
1: That was the amazing Monique and Talon author of Leading Gracefully, which you can buy online, and it's well worth a read for both men and women. Don't forget to check out our website, womeninleadership.ie, and go on, give us a like on Facebook and Twitter, at Pod is our handle, at Leading leadingwomenpod. And if you like what you hear, take a minute to rate us on iTunes. Our email address is info at womeninleadership.ie. That's all for this week For me, Angie Mazzetti, and all the team here. Goodbye and take care.